Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tomorrow's MSP podcast, the voice of the medical services profession, where medical services professionals and industry experts contribute their voices about popular topics, including the impacts of artificial intelligence, MSP core competencies, department advocacy, leadership, and more. I'm your host, Lauren Leacoris, content editor for NAMS. On this episode, I speak with Linda Waldorf, System Director of Medical Staff Services with UNC Healthcare System, about how a Credentials Verification Organization, or CVO, influences the credentialing practices of a healthcare organization. Linda, thank you so much for being part of the Tomorrow's MSP podcast. How are you today? I am great. I feel great. Thank you for inviting me to speak on this important topic. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So Linda, to start us off, what is the purpose of a credentials verification organization, otherwise known as a CBO? Usually the main purpose of the CBO is really to standardize and centralize the verification process to support credentialing and privileging providers in some type of healthcare setting. There's kind of lots of other purposes too. And a really good example of how standardization helps is just standardizing just the initial application. Many times within a health system, each hospital has their own application, and the CVO can allow that to be one standard application across the health system. And if a provider is applying for two or three hospitals within that system, they can use that one application and then just complete the privilege forms and facility-specific forms. It really does reduce the administrative burden on an applicant. Another great reason and purpose for a CVO is just to improve the revenue stream. And that revenue stream improvement can just come from increased efficiency and standardization that allows an application to be processed faster and that provider go to work sooner or begin seeing patients in that healthcare setting. And that generates that revenue. Often a CVO is performing delegated credentialing. The CVO is doing work in proxy for a health plan such as Aetna or Blue Cross, and the work that they do also creates tremendous efficiency for the physicians. They don't have to complete enrollment forms to Aetna and to Blue Cross and Humana. And when the credentials committee of the the healthcare setting approves that provider for privileges, that automatically allows them then to go on that health plan roster So often we can do that in a more timely manner than the actual health plan does. So that, again, can improve the revenue stream, more rapid revenue coming from that new applicant who wants to take care of patients in one of our healthcare settings. It also can really improve internal customer satisfaction. The CBO can become a wonderful central repository of information for the health system, for individual hospitals and for health systems. You know, in my organization, we have many downstream stakeholders who look to our CBO for really important information. And we can also become a growing repository of health system information that's needed as time goes on. And just one example in recent years is identity proofing for electronic prescribing of controlled substances. It was a brand new initiative across the country. And through the CBO, we were really able to create a system-wide process to do the identity proofing, to do the dual review and requirements by the DEA, 
We could facilitate those. We automated all the reports that were coming to and from the hospital and to the information system teams that were doing the setup. It really was just wonderful to see how the CBO could support a pretty big initiative and do that in a very effective and efficient way. So again, a lot of internal customer satisfaction can be provided through a CBO. Another one I think is important, really important purpose, can be, can be an important purpose of a CBO is to just be a resource for increased regulatory compliance and, um, and compliance with other system initiatives. I have found as medical professionals come together across the health system under a CBO, it creates an environment where we can collaborate, where we can discuss new regulatory requirements. If we're having trouble, we feel like compliance with something, a medical staff standard, you know, we have a collective group of experience and knowledge base that we just help each other. I have seen always in the, the years that I have been involved now with three CBOs that everybody working through a CBO, in, in my experience, does better on their regulatory surveys. If one's doing delegated credentialing, instead of each hospital having to meet with a Blue Cross or Aetna auditor, we can centralize the auditing, the file audit process, and it just creates not only time saving, efficiency, and time wise but we are presenting that same standard to collectively sharing the same, we're all complying in the same way. And it really helps all of us have increased confidence about our regulatory compliance. And and it just keeps, you know, we're not out there all by ourselves trying to, to figure out, am I doing this right? Often, like I say, new initiatives, a very recent one was our COVID compliance. You know, we were able to use our database, our CBO database, to support the compliance with the CBO with COVID compliance and providing information on who needed to have a COVID vaccine. So there's many, 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 many wonderful things that CBOs offer to a health system. And again, I'm one who's very passionate about what a great CBO can offer to a health system. I think one other last Note, it it can be a source of considerable cost savings to the organization as well. Most hospital medical staff offices, they're going to have contract for some of their verification services, like AMA profile services or certifacts, those kinds of things. A CVO can centralize those to shared service agreements and really see significant considerable savings for the health system with one system-wide contract as opposed to individual hospital contracts. So those are just a few that come to mind at the moment. So Linda, what are some of the reasons that a healthcare organization may not utilize a CVO in their credentialing practices? Well, sometimes there are just political issues or just conflicts between hospital leadership among the system hospitals that can just not foster the opportunity to create a CBO. You know, and sometimes the system just does not see the return on investment, especially if all the hospitals are considerable distance apart and there are few crossover providers. I mean, that could be, they just can feel like the cost doesn't warrant the return. 
Sometimes there are just no leaders or MSPs that are in the system to really initiate or lead the idea. I mean, it really does take uh, leadership. Even sometimes hospital, our hospital medical services professionals, they sometimes oppose the creation of a CVO really out of fear of losing their own position. Frankly, I've never actually seen or heard of that happening. But the fear of that happening can be real to individual MSPs. So that can be a factor for a system not really moving to utilize, create and utilize a CBO. MSPs are the gatekeepers of patient safety, ensuring quality care through the credentialing and privileging of healthcare providers in an ever-changing industry. Expand your knowledge base and core competencies by visiting nams.org forward slash education. And then can you speak to some of the specific ways improper credentialing can disrupt healthcare system operations? Happy to talk about that. Credentialing does impact many aspects of the healthcare system. First and foremost, it can delay good care to the patients that we serve. It can increase even harm, the risk of harm to patients if we have improper credentialing. It increases our regulatory risk for the organization. We risk a loss of reputation in the country and, and in our community. It can be a, we risk losing the trust even of our employees if we don't do a good job credentialing and we onboard a provider who is just not providing good care, it really does impact the employees that work with that provider. There is risk of losing revenue and there's risk of negligent credentialing and resulting lawsuits. So proper credentialing is really, really important. And there are consequences. There are consequences for improper credentialing. Now, sometimes you can be doing great credentialing and you have a physician or APP where things begin to present that causes the leadership or employees to question the quality of care that they're providing. But I say a good doctor can lose their way, both in clinical judgment and moral judgment. So good credentialing doesn't mean that sometimes you won't be dealing with a difficult provider situation. And then Linda, what should healthcare organizations consider when determining whether they should hire a CBO? Well, happy to talk about that. My personal experience has been more with an internal CBO, but there are certainly some great for-profit CBOs across the country. I think the important things that come to mind for me if I was evaluating that or if our health system was evaluating, you know, we would certainly be very interested in what are the scope, what's the scope of verification services offered? What's the quality of the verification process? You know, what is their their reputation? We would want to definitely check clients that were using that CEO to make sure the quality of the product is really great. Again, you always want to look at cost. I think another factor to consider is, does one's own healthcare system have the ability to recruit, hire, and retrain and retain a qualified person who can really do the credentialing and privileging work for that hospital? Sometimes they just cannot recruit and hire qualified, certified medical staff professionals who can do that work. 
You still need someone in the medical staff office, someone who's taking that work that you receive from a CDO through the committee process. They need to be doing ER call schedules, doing orientation. You know, there's other work that is performed by a medical services professional. But sometimes that credentialing and privileging piece can be um, better outsourced to, if not a system CDO, to a for-profit CDO to help them. And they certainly have a place in the market, you know, in the market. I think at the end of the day, leadership just has to consider the return on investment for either option. And again, sometimes they just can't recruit to their hospital and their community someone who is qualified to do all of that work and they just, they need to use an outside service. And then can you talk about the markers of successful relationship between a healthcare organization and a CBO? Happy to address that topic as well. You know, again, my personal experience has been more with with internal CBOs, but again, I know there's some great for-profit CBOs out there. In answering that question, from my perspective, I think it starts with consistently producing a great product to the customer. The verification process that the CBO is is committed to do needs to really be right. I think many of us who run CBOs, quality review of a file, gathering the information, analyzing it by a trained medical services professional, and then have a second set of eyes do a quality review are really important. So I um, think that producing, consistently producing a great product is very, very important. You know, for there to be a successful relationship, leadership matters. You know, I think CBO leaders have to be honest, transparent. They have to be competent to uh, develop, improve, and manage a CBO and CBO operations. And that takes considerable leadership and work. I think CBO leaders have to become positive and have a vision of the future. We have to be always looking to how do we improve? How, what are the changing needs of our customers? How do we keep moving forward in the environment? And we do have to stay calm. CBOs are in a place of intense pressure. You know, how fast can we process an application? That's what staff are doing all day. They're processing applications and trying to obtain information as fast as they can, monitoring expirables and things that need close attention. So I think that we have to have successful relationships, both with our staff and with those we serve and internalized term of customers. We, like I said, need to be calm, positive, keeping our eyes on the, on the product. I think we have to really have, really care about serving our internal external customers and our patients. I think people who are in healthcare tend to want to make the world a better place. We want to reduce human suffering. We want to use the talents and time that we have to contribute to those around us having better care. So that, uh, I think that, that caring attitude contributes to a successful CBO. It's not just a job we do every day. It's, you know, it's a personal mission to, like I say, reduce suffering and help people have a better quality of life. It's important that we're always listening. CBO's leaders need to be listening to their staff along with internal, external customers and with always with the patient, you know, great patient care being the ultimate goal of why we do what we do every day. Uh, And we have to be open to new ideas, new ways to meet growing new regulatory requirements, growing new needs of our customers, uh, needs of help from, you know, that our applicants feel they need. 
you know, we just always have to be open to new ways to meet the growing needs of those we serve. How do organizations manage this specific relationship? Well, from from my point of view, I think a key part of it, again, is consistently keeping an eye on producing a quality product. Organizations, healthcare organizations want to care for patients. We need doctors and APPs there to direct the care of patients. It's just very, you know, very important that the brick and mortar has to have really great and competent physicians, dentists, APPs who are, you know, at the bedside directing care. So I think all parties, the CBO, organizational leadership, you know, always keeping the eye on what's our ultimate goal, delivering great patient care. Some of the ways that, a key couple of ways that we just sort of manage, you know, our relationship across our health system is we use a CBO council. In some CBOs, the medical staff professionals in the medical staff offices report in as an employee relationship. Our health system, we have chose to have really just a collaborative environment. We have a council, sometimes in person, sometimes usually in a conference call, a WebEx call, at least monthly, sometimes more often if we need it. But we have the manager director of each of our healthcare entities, whether that's a hospital or an ambulatory care center or a health, you know, physician network. We meet together with a specific agenda and discuss new initiatives. We discuss, we share information, we discuss problems, you know, you know, and discuss solutions. We really have a very collaborative environment. And that has served us well. We all see each other. We're just a team working together. And the CBO is to staff, our CBO is to serve them. But we all, you know, it's we're all helping each other. So that has worked for us. Another part of managing, I think, a good relationship, we have a system-wide data governance committee that is underneath the umbrella of our CBO because we have many stakeholders that access information in our database that use our database now. We have a growing number of users. Sometimes they are limited to certain fields in uh, the system, but the CBO, we administer that database, but we're very sensitive to the needs of our stakeholders. So if we're changing standardization, if we're adding new data, new fields, for bringing on a new stakeholder, a recent example is our clinical integrated network just came into our, our database and now working in collaboration with the CBO. So we communicate that out. We make sure that what we're doing is not going to have a negative impact on one of our, our colleagues. That has been successful. I think another important thing is just good communication with top organizational leaders. Uh, I am fortunate to report to the CMO of the health system. I have several other physician leaders that I report to as well. We do meet monthly with a set agenda. I create a bullet point operations report to keep them posted on operations. And that has kept good communication with key leaders across the system. And there are other things, but those are a couple of things that come to mind. And then, Linda, my last question for you is, in what ways can MSPs facilitate this relationship and how can they leverage their own competencies to ensure the process is streamlined? Great questions. From my point of view, I think 
a really important way that MSPs can facilitate the relationship is just always increasing their own level of competency by continuing to learn. There just has to be a a state of mind to be continuously learning. And I will say NAMS really is the number one resource for educational tools and up-to-date information. We need to be taking advantage of the wonderful resources that NAMS offers all the time. Great resources. We have to be willing to learn new technology and embrace it. Embrace a paperless world. That's where the world is going. We need to embrace it. Again, always being honest and transparent, keeping a positive attitude, keeping the attitude of how can I help make this better? Be open-minded to new ideas. Learn leadership skills and tools. And again, NAMS offers some wonderful resources. The leadership certificate program is a wonderful learning experience. Learn leadership, keep learning leadership, and keep learning And I think those are key things that I think can help any of us improve our relationship with our leaders and colleagues and customers. Excellent. Well, Linda, thank you so much again for being part of this episode of the Tomorrow's MSP podcast. I greatly enjoyed our conversation and I'm looking forward to sharing this episode with our MSP membership. Well, thank you for having me and thank you to all my fellow MSPs out there who are in the trenches every day doing this important work. And I hope what I've shared is meaningful and helpful to you in your journey. Thanks so much, Lauren. I'd like to extend a special thanks to Linda Waldorf for joining me on this episode. Thank you for listening to the Tomorrow's MSP podcast, the voice of the medical services profession. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tune in to the next episode to stay up to date on the latest news and insights. Read more in-depth articles on trending topics by visiting us at namsgateway.org. Until next time.